Hello and welcome to Audio Biography, the podcast where we talk about the music that changed our lives and yours. It's good to be back with Clint. What's up, Clint? Hey, Rich. How's it going? Pretty good. So this is an episode that I know uh, you've been uh, looking forward to. Uh, yeah, that's an understatement. Little white album action. Um, we're just going to jump right in today because there's a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to start though. Um, so we've uh, we, we've just we're in 1968 now, of course, and you know the we've suff- suffered loss, and the Beatles are um, growing up in more ways than one and possibly growing apart now, right? Um, yeah. Any, any comments you want to make on this uh, tumultuous year? That they're yeah, in? I mean... Uh, yeah, the year before, uh, lots of things happened. Uh, um, most notably, Sergeant Pepper. It's 1967 we're talking about, but Brian Epstein passes away in 1967. Um, and not only, I mean, he was listed as their manager. I think he was much more than that for them. He was somebody that could just manager, but uniter. Yeah. They, uh, he could, I think he had the ability to really get them on the same footing. Uh, and probably had less of a role as they got older, as, as they grew up a little bit, as they moved away from touring. But even at that point, when he passed, I think that was a significant moment for the band. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we, we, so now we get to 1968. Before we get into the White Album and what all was going on there there they, they did release a couple of uh, 45s a couple of singles um the first of which being uh lady madonna kind of a little bluesy paul type number and uh let's see that was released in february of 68 um what do you uh, th- this is one of those songs that since it's not on an lp and i'm kind of an lp guy other than you know, some of the greats that, that they release as singles. This is not one of those songs I think about very often. No, but maybe we should because I love this song. I, I, do, I do too. It is going, so Paul, it's ridiculous. Yeah, going back and listening to it, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I should probably go back to this song a little more than, than I have. Um, but yes, definitely so Paul. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, it's so, and it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of like a preview. If you think about it, it gets released before the White Album. Um, I don't know about when it was recorded. I don't know if they had already recorded it before they started recording the tracks in the White Album. Okay, it was, but, re- yeah, it was recorded in February of 68. I said it was released then. It was recorded then, and it was released in March of 68. So not okay. really that long after Magical Mystery Tour. No. So, but, but like, you know, going back to the preview kind of notion of the song, it kind of, it's kind of telling you that uh, what the Beatles are evolving into is a bunch of different things. Um, because I think, I think Lady Madonna is just, uh, 
a it it's got that raucous piano part yeah. and then all of a sudden in the middle of the song man there's a saxophone solo yeah <laughs> like where did this come from mm-hmm. who showed up in the studio and started recording this so it's uh it's very bluesy very jazzy i, I don't know it's a great song um, it, and I don't, yeah i agree with you it doesn't get talked about enough yeah it's it's a nice tribute to women i think um you know, I'm I'm not really not really sure where Paul's mind was with that. Um, a lot of times when he was writing about women, it was very specific, and then a lot of times it was like some of his other things. He was not really being specific at all. He would have a little riff or a little, you know, just a little ditty he wanted to get out there and and did. Ditty, I like that. <laughs> yeah, anytime I get a chance to use the word ditty, not P Diddy, but no D I T T Y. Uh, I need a scorecard for <laughs> music uh, bingo over here. Yeah. Where did you have that one at? Like in <laughs> 32 or something? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. <laughs> um, and on the flip side of this, this uh, 45 was uh, a George Harrison number called uh, the inner light. And I'm wondering what you think about this. So song. listen, this is what they did. I'm pretty sure this happened. Hey, uh, hey, George, we need a B-side. Um, can you completely George up this song? <laughs> I mean, really George it up. I mean, as George as you want to be, but then crank it to 11. Thanks, yeah. George. What, what'd you come up with? Oh, the inner light. Oh, man. This is so George. Yeah. Love yeah. It. I mean, um, definitely not one of their songs that I just go gaga over, but there are some pretty, uh, pretty cool lyrics in there. I know it's a, a, a Dallas thing. This is almost, you know, like they could have named this song, you know, the, the Dow of George or something like that. Mm. Um, I did uh, read somewhere uh, where some of the words came from, and it was from uh, Dao Te Ching, I guess is how you say this. Um, without taking a step outdoors, you know the whole world. Without taking a peep out the window, you know the color of the sky. The more you experience, the less you know. The sage wanders without knowing, sees without looking, accomplishes without acting. And, you know, you read that stuff and that's how you George up a song. Yeah, so I, I joke, but those are really good concepts. And they so, and, and so... I agree with you. I like the lyrics of the song. It, I mean, it's very, it's very George. It's very spiritual. Uh, he is thinking um, much on a much higher level, a much higher plane than, than most of uh, most of us. Uh, that was probably true his whole life. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of. I mean, I, I like the song. I, I do too. Uh, um, over the the last i don't know five to ten years i've i've gotten a little more interested in eastern religion and things like that so these you know these these songs by george actually i pay more attention to them now Hmm. and and this is this is one of those i mean i i I like i like what what he's going for there apparently the beatles all love this song um oh really actually came as a surprise to me something i read on it recently and um they liked it so much they made it a b-side <laughs> oh that was yeah. funny they loved the song but they made it a b-side 
you know, even now, poor George is not getting these, these non LP singles, um, you know, as an A side. Yeah. But we're, we're um, about to move into a, a period of the Beatles, you know, especially with, um, then even the next two albums where George really comes out and shines big time. So that's, that's something we're going to start talking about, you know, pretty soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's a good song. I mean, it's a B side. I just thought it was interesting that they loved it so much and it was a B side. I wonder if it's because they were all, um, kind of into that kind of uh, dipping their toe into the eastern religion thing uh along well, with george that's the yes that definitely happens this year um but uh, yeah i lady madonna's the better song it just is oh yeah as far as just wanting to listen to music that's that's the one that i want to hear mm-hmm. um and then uh recorded in july and august and released in late august of 68 Matter of fact, in the U.S., it was released on this day. Today is uh, August 26th, and Hey Jude was released in the United States, August 26th, 1968. Pretty cool. How huh? fitting. Yeah. It's so, Hey Jude Day. Jude, yeah. Jude, Jude Day. Um, you know, I what what's left to say about this song? We're going to try. Um I absolutely love this song. It's one of Paul's greatest. Um, this is, you know, this is also the year where um, John and Cynthia are breaking up, have broke up. Yoko's entered the picture. And of course, if you're a Beatles fan, even if you're a soft Beatles fan, you know that he wrote this song for Julian. Hmm. Um, and I remember when I've, finally somewhere later and you know it was definitely up into my adult life this is one of those songs that you knew when you were a kid just you'd hear it somewhere right and and it was recognizable um you know i just when i found out that he had written it for um for julian who i also love and love his music as an adult Mm -hmm. um it, it was that much more poignant it, it you know it, it it gets a lot of flack for the ending it's a little long on the end but you know uh, one of the great things about it is it's an awesome karaoke song and everybody <laughs> knows how much i love karaoke uh you have to be drinking a little bit because it's really hard to sing like paul but when you, you do get you to need, the end you need some lubricant you need you know yeah but yeah. when you get when you get to the end and it is so long with the na na na's you you get the whole group involved right everybody that you're with stops what they're doing and and we've been in the same room before when that's happened (laughs) and you know you could sing it sober sure it's just a lot more fun if you had a few drinks in you yeah the the judy judy judy's just aren't as good sober (laughs) (laughs) yeah is this I would challenge, I would say, this could be the most recognizable pop song. I, uh, I can't argue. Um, I'm sure, you know, we could throw many contenders into the ring, and this would be one. This has got to be one of them. Um, I, like you, love this song. Um, 
you know, this ought to be a song that pulls people in, but you find that it's probably other Beatles song that may draw people in, but when they, then they grasped the Beatles did this song, this iconic song. Right. And it's one of the many, many reasons why they are in themselves iconic. Um, when I kind of grasped that, I had just, just unbelievable appreciation for this song. And I don't really get tired of it. I mean, now, because it's not on an album, you have to, if you don't listen, if you don't find it on the radio, you have to go out and seek it. Right. Uh, it, you know, uh, I'll tell you, even in 2020, um, it's not hard just to bump into it, which says a lot about the song, right? Like yeah. I hear it enough that I don't even really have to go look for it. Even what, 52 years later. Um, Isn't that amazing? Well, you know, there are, there are groups and artists out there that create things that last forever. We're not in really in one of those eras right now. There's not a ton of music being created like that and, and really not for a while, but yes, it is amazing. And, um, you know, along with the old standards of pop music from, you know, say the forties, the fifties before rock and roll, along with those standards, the Beatles were next in just landmark, um, recordings that have lasted forever. Last thing I wanted to say on it. Um, and I found this on Beatles Bible says that it wasn't until 1987 that McCartney was uh, able to discuss Hey Jude with Julian. And it was just apparently a chance encounter in a hotel. And this is what Julian said. He told me that he'd been thinking about my circumstances all those years ago about what I was going through. Paul and I used to hang out a bit more than dad and I did. We had a great friendship going and there seemed to be far more pictures of me and Paul playing together at that age than there are pictures of me and dad. And Julian's, oh, wow. Julian said that in, you know, 2002. Um, anyway, what a, what a statement. Um, it's not an indictment of, of John. Um, they made their peace, uh, you know, him and Julian wasn't, you know, wasn't the greatest of relationships. And a lot of the mistakes that John made were, you know, ultimately we don't think about it, but they were made at his son's expense more than just about anybody, but you never think about that. Um, as a dad, I think about that. Uh, you know, I think about how the mistakes that I make, you know, are they at my kid's expense and, and how are they affecting my kids and what's this going to be like for them going forward? And, you know, everybody, rails about Yoko and, and John being terrible and all this and, and lost in that shuffle is Julian. So anyway, I've got a real, real soft spot for Julian. Um, and and it makes cool, me love man. this song. It makes me love this song even more that it's, that it's for him. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I just realized that the few Julian Lennon songs, you know, I, I know the popular ones, but I haven't really delved into his stuff, but, I like the song, the popular songs. Oh yeah. So, check, check, check him out. There's, there's some good stuff on those records. Um, these last few years I've been able to find nice copies of them for like a buck, uh, which is always oh, pretty, man. always pretty cool. I mean, they're probably yeah. not, they're probably not worth more than that anyway, but 
Um, What's it matter? But it's cool to, it's cool to find that stuff. Um, and then the uh, flip side. So this is like another, another double A almost. You've got revolution. Um, and of course there's multiple versions of revolution. I don't, you know, you've got this one, you've got the one on the record. Um, what revel I'm trying to get this, get this straight. This is revolution and it was recorded after revolution one, which is on the record and mm -hmm. is quite a bit different. It's the one that's slower. Yeah. The one on the white album is much slower. This yeah. one is, uh, electric and much, uh, quicker pace. Yeah. The one that everybody knows. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, what a great 45, right? Huh? Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other one we talk about so much, I, that's still number one, probably for us, I think. Yeah, I think but this one's for you on that. This, this one's, one's right just, up to it's, it's incredible. Yeah. This is probably uh, most people's number one if they had to pick one. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, especially casual fans, just because it's Hey Jude and Revolution. You want to talk about two well known, everybody's heard them. Everybody, you know, I mean, I bet even my two sons who know very little about the Beatles have heard both of these songs. And because of me, they know that it's the Beatles, but um, mm -hmm. you can't get away from these songs. No, you can't. Um, now, I will. Yeah, I agree with you. This is the best version of Revolution. Um, it's it's got a the, the electric guitar part is really, really great. The energy they have in the song is great. Um, and it, it it fits better with the upbeat uh with with what he is singing about he's singing about you say you know want to want to start a revolution um you know that to me it's like okay if you're gonna do that all right let's go let's let's get going with this thing yeah and, and at then, the same time the duality of it of count me out and of course he later puts a count me in in it and it's yeah. it's it's a super conflicted song uh you know i think a lot of it is geared towards people who uh it's very very relevant right now people who want something to change and say and scream revolution but at the end of the day they're not ready to do that mm. um and i think at this time i mean with the drugs and you know this is the year he starts heroin right I think. Oh yeah. You know, this is when he starts yeah. chasing the dragon. And so he is riding the snake. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. He's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's starting to get, you know, tired and disillusioned and it, we're going to talk more about that because it's going to all start coming out. Um, you know, his, his marriage has ended and he's, he's met this new woman and, you know, maybe he didn't care what was going on in the world, but anyway, I've just always the, the duality of that song, you know, Hey, you want a revolution? Fine. But you know, you're going to have to count me out. And I think a lot of that is just the fake, uh, outrage and yeah, this is wrong and we've got to do something, but we're not going to do it anyway. That's, that, that's all personal posturing there, but <laughs> we're not, no, gonna, I, it, it, I try to keep politics off of this, but it is very, that idea to me, is 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 pretty prescient right now it's it's yeah. it's like of the time again 
Um, well, you know, those are very social and politically charged times also. Oh yeah. And, and Hey, 50, look, 52 years later, nothing's changed. We're, we're right back in the, in the muck and mire of that. Yeah. And this one was written, um, you know, while they were in Rishikesh with the Maharishi, you know, doing their, uh, whatever that vacation was. And we're going to talk about that. Matter of fact, we can, we can probably just go ahead and get into all that. Um, cause now we're ready to get into the white album proper. We've covered the singles from 68. Um, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Rishikesh and kind of what was happening over there? And cause a lot of it was written there. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Also, I want to put like a warning label uh for from this point on in the podcast it's gonna get really i'm gonna really geek out a lot and i just want to warn the folks out there listening it's it's gonna be pretty pathetic oh no man so thank you for staying staying with us (laughs) it'll it should be really fun actually oh hell yeah it's gonna be fun let's go man i'm strapped in all right so so yeah so their their world is different now not 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 just not just around them, but also within them, uh, their, their personal relationships are changing. Um, you know, you got Yoko's hit the scene now. Um, they've hooked up with the Maharishi. I think that's what, I think I'm saying it right. They've, they've gone so. to, yeah. they've gone to India. Um, I don't want to get too much into who went first and who left first and all those kind of things. Suffice it to say, for the purposes, you know, of, of this podcast, um, they all did end up there together and they all did end up doing lots of writing there. I don't yeah. think all 30 songs were written there, but a, a good bit of them. And, and that's another thing. This is a collection of 30 songs. Um, it's a double album. A lot of them are very short. Um, a lot of them are less than good for me, but that's, you know, until this point, they've not had any, any recordings. I'm going to say recordings because some of these really aren't even songs, Yeah, um, fair. but they've not had very many recordings that are kind of throwaway to me. Um, however, out of those 30, you know, 30 recordings there, there are some absolute killer, just unbelievable, um, just just crazy good songs that came about in the midst of turmoil. Um, and the turmoil is only beginning. It's going to get worse as we continue through our series here. But um, yeah, just uh, without really having to talk about songs yet, what's your... What is your overall, your, 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 the, the Clint, I'm so excited to talk about the white album sort of couple paragraphs before we actually talk about the songs. Only get a couple paragraphs. Okay. Well, uh, they can be run ons. They can be really long. <laughs> no, I want, I know that this is probably your favorite. Uh, this week. Yeah. For, yeah. Um, for the past month. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think um, this is the album that I really, you know, in my Beatles evolution, uh, listening to the Beatles, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the red and blue albums, I just really digested, but the white album is the al first album I really sunk my teeth into. And once I did that, there was no going back. It was, I can't get enough of this band. Was it by um, chance the first album that you actually had an entire copy of maybe? Yeah, it was. That um, makes a difference. That makes a difference. Yeah. So, and then, you know, that, that was long before I was collecting vinyl, obviously that was just on, you know, CD and the original recorded version. So by the way, you listen to that now compared to the 2018 uh giles martin remix and it's it's the differences are stark but anyway we can talk more about that later um but yeah i i just developed a love affair with this album because it it was just something that i would it, it was like just a uh, i don't know if religious experience is the right term but just a an aha moment musically for me um Ernie just gave us this text message sock out there. He did something about Sammy Hagar. Is Sammy Hagar the paragon of skinny fat? Wow. <laughs> no, oh, that was good. I had to read that one. I, I would reply, but we're talking white album and I'm leaving this in. But if there is a paragon of skinny fat, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about your love affair with the white album. So yeah, just to ex expand upon that, I just, I don't know. It was something I just, it's, I feel like uh, there's a, uh, I would just bury myself in the album. If you can, if you can imagine that uh, mentally and like it, the, the songs would just play in my head in one after the other. It's like I had the whole album programmed in my head. Now, it wasn't no uh, Charles Manson situation there, which we should probably <laughs> talk about at some point. Uh, yeah, um, that'll be next episode, probably. Yeah, um, we got a lot of ground to cover this one. But it just, I remember the same, the same uh, trip I took in 99. And that's about the time I'm just becoming, and by that time I had every Beatles album on CD. But I remember just taking those bus rides to wherever we were going. And that's the soundtrack to that for me. And the white album becomes a soundtrack to so many more things during that time for me. Um, and that's about right before, you know, you and I meet, uh, yep. and become friends. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, nothing really significant happened there in that time it was just really a formative time for me musically and this album i i give the this album the credit for i mean this album is the reason why um you know i think i fell in love with this album then shortly thereafter even though i was a few years late on it like i just embraced radiohead i embraced okay computer 
right before kid a came out i was like oh i've caught up with okay computer so when kid a came out i was like buying it right then and this is not a radiohead podcast but the white album opened my mind up to those concept albums to you know even though it wasn't a concept album it was just a collection of songs but to me they all meshed together so well and it's like i i can't really it's hard for me just to pick like two or three songs and just listen to it and be done or skip through them i want to listen to them in order because that's the way my brain uh, that's the way i initially digested it and it's just like my brain just is happy that way when it hears certain songs in order in in one out the other uh and that's what i talk a lot about sequencing of songs and that's why it's so important to me and it all goes back to the white album i just think the way the album was put together made so much sense and it it uh it's really beautiful yeah well said that that's that's uh i think everybody understands now what this what 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 the album means to you Uh, there is something about the first thing you ever hear from an artist whether no matter if it's at the beginning, end, or middle of their career, the first thing you hear is always the thing that you're probably going to love the most at the end of the day. So yeah. cool, man. That's, that's awesome. Well, let's just jump right in. We, like I said, we got uh, this, this, this first, first part of the double album is the longer with, with more songs, recordings, some of them just aren't songs to me. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm okay with you calling them recordings, snippets, whatever. Yeah. So we, it's a rousing start, right? Back in the USSR, we start with the, you know, <laughs> uh, it's a great opener. It is um, just a fantastic opener. The, uh, the nods to the beach boys are great, right? It's just, it's it's fun it's you know it's moves right along it's 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 hard it's hard to um open records better yes you know what uh i have a funny thought about this song though so i don't know how many years ago it was it vh1 remember remember vh1 yeah it's probably still on i don't know i think it's called vh1 classic now Oh God! Can we make <laughs> us feel any older? Shit. Yeah, we're classics. All I'll right. take well, it. Anyway, I remember watching. They had celebrities talk about their favorite Beatles album, and you know, of course, I I watched the hell out of it. It was probably like fifteen years ago. Okay, this was still when people knew who David Duchovny was. Okay, and I <laughs> mentioned him because he was on this episode. <laughs> thank you x-files if you haven't heard of that too well well okay it's fine oh and red shoe diaries oh thank you there you go um but so they had david duchovny on there and he he picked the white album so they start playing back in the ussr because it's the first song on the album and he just just pulls this asshole move and goes oh well that's my favorite album but i I forgot that was the first song. I, I don't even like that song. I'm like, David, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
Oh, that's great. So I'll, I'll never forget it. I don't know why that's burned in my brain. Now I don't, I don't like straight up hate David Duchovny now, but uh, that was just like disappointed in him. I expected more out of him for some reason. And he let me down. Yeah. Paul said this about the song. Uh, it's tongue in cheek. This is a traveling Ruski. He said Ruski. Ruski. Who has just flown in from Miami Beach. He's come the other way. He can't wait to get back to the Georgian mountains. Georgia's always on my mind. My, my, my. Uh, he didn't sing it there. He just says on my mind. There's all sorts of little jokes in it. I remember trying to sing it in my Jerry Lee Lewis voice to get my mind set on a particular feeling. And we added Beach Boy style harmonies. It, it also kind of sounds like a Chuck Berry song. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a bit of a throwback type song, but it doesn't sound like it. Um, there are other throwback songs on this record that sound old and this still sounds fresh, even though it's kind of a, a rip of so many, many, you know, old rock and roll kind of just, you know, cliches. They threw some stuff in the blender on this song. Yeah. You know, it's a cool song. Um, yeah. uh, let's just move on to the next one. Um, please. Cause we have so many, I know. um, I'll let you introduce this one. Talk first. This is my favorite song on the album, Dear Prudence. That shocks me. It's Why? My, it's my favorite, too. I thought, oh. there was, <laughs> I thought there was another one that would probably be your favorite. I'll tell you when we get there. Okay. Um, I, we're, you know, great minds, Rich. Um, first of all, I won't. This is, I have to listen to Back in the USSR as the lead-in to this song because I think it's – I don't want to miss a second of the lead in to this song because it's one of the things that just makes it an, an outstanding track. Um, it's you and I have talked about this, uh, about John in previous podcasts where it's like Paul has took the reins and just kind of pulling John along for the ride. And I would argue on this album, even though John is, he, he's got a drug addiction and it's bad on this album and Yoko will not leave his side. Okay. She's with him there the whole time, but apparently that's what John needed to produce his best work. In my opinion, his best work is on this album. Uh, and this is exhibit a, Dear Prudence. Uh, and I think he wrote this song about, um, oh, who, who is Prudence? Um, it's somebody Mia, Mia Farrow's Farrah's, um, younger sister. Okay. Thank you. I knew it was somebody well-known. Their sister. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She literally would not come out. Yes. And of her this is little in India. hut in India. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, kind of an interesting story. That's who he wrote it about. But, um, I just, I'm just trying to pinpoint what it is that I love so much about the song, the simplicity of the guitar, John's voice, John's John, voice, my, my God, John's voice yep. is perfect on this song. It that's, that's, that's what really does it for me. He could just about be singing anything right there. Um, and again, I'll, the, the, the guitar too, um, the, I guess, um, you know, the, uh, artist Donovan was over there and the finger picking style is, um, 
John was learning that from him. There's a couple of songs on this album where John uses that. Actually, they're both they're both on this first um, first record in the double set. Um, yes, the simplicity and the simplicity underneath it is what is what it needs because of his vocal on it. It's yeah. just beautiful. Yeah, and uh, the end of the song always gets me like hairs will stand up on my arm near the end of the song. Um, just, just the crescendo and the whole band gets into it and it just kind of sneaks up on you. Yeah. I just love that about this song. It's no, just, it's, it's just beautiful. Ride. It's a song that people need to listen to because we can't describe it <laughs> with, <laughs> with the best words because it is, um, it, again, it's it's my favorite, at least right now. There's there have been others on this album that had that spot, but for a long time, this has been the one. You can always just repeat this to yourself at the end of the song, and you can feel better. The sun is up, the sky is blue. Uh, it's beautiful, and so are you. Okay, that's a little cheesy, but it's true. Yeah, no, it's you know that's. They were over there, you know, meditating. We'll just say that they created a nice little self-affirming chant there. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, the, the lyrics in the song are, are good. Um, they're not his best. Uh, you know, he's written much, but that doesn't matter. Like I said, he could be singing anything if it had that melody, that voice, and just the way it's so well-written. I'm glad you mentioned the, the end and the kind of build and you know those drums just building it up and um and then it tapers back off perfectly you know yeah. um and then leads you right into his uh, the next song which is another john song um pretty great john song uh really really great um I, I list, i've listened to lots of beatles podcasts and podcasts where people talk about the beatles and this one doesn't usually seem to get that much love i don't think or or maybe the ones that don't love it are just louder than the ones that are and that's that's mm. all that i remember but yeah third track uh glass onion yeah so it it kind of it, it's a very nice uh contrast to the previous song because dear prudence kind of just fades out and then all of a sudden you're woke up with the drums and it just marches right into Glass Onion. And there is so much imagery in this song. And there's so many references, Beatles references in the song. Oh, yeah. Red herrings, even. Just things that, uh, it's, 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 it's definitely Glass Onion. If you think about a Glass Onion, you can see through it. And, you know, kind of about people putting meanings into things when there, were, there was not one. Or even missing when there you was. Mean Paul is dead? He's not dead? <laughs> No, the walrus was Paul. Oh, <laughs> but that's also the walrus was Paul was goes back to that whole Paul's dead thing, right? right? Um, now it's cool. It's a cool song. It's kind of a uh, it, it's a very gentle bird flip to the people that were trying to, you know, find all these things in their songs that maybe weren't there. Um, and I think a lot of people do that at the expense of the song and, and they completely miss the songs. Um, 
you know, it's, it's just a fun listen. And again, we are still in that where you were talking about, you can't hear one without hearing the one before. And this, this part of the album's definitely moving that way. Yeah. Um, so what you're, what you're saying though, Rich, without this song, new radicals never would have been a one hit wonder. Hey, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And what a one-hit wonder they were, man. Right. No, that song's great. Such a great song, but yes. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I just took a rabbit trail. I'm back. No, no, no. That's cool. Any, anytime somebody mentions that song, uh, if I'm going down the road and that song comes on, uh, if I'm listening it's, like I'm the already, 90, I'm already bobbing my head, dude. Yes, the, the, like I'm <laughs> listening to the 90s on 9 on XM. And that pop rocks because you you'll hear that song like at least twice a day on on that channel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can remember going down the road with Range, and uh, we had been out like at the store or something, and it came on, and you just imagine me and me and Randy. This is my friend Randy Salyer, who <laughs> one day we are going to get on this podcast, and that's going to be absolute hoot. But we'd have to talk about Disturbed or something. What are we going <laughs> to talk about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he likes that song, man. Oh, all right. Let's do a one-hit wonder podcast at the ranch. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, yeah, Glass Onion, cool song. Um, it's it's not Dear Prudence, but and it's you know it's not mm, some of the other ones coming up, but it's just it's fun. I like fun stuff. And speaking of fun, we go right into Obladi Oblada. And you want to talk about a song that gets the shit kicked out of it by people? I know this one, this one really does. And guess what? Don't care. Love the song. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I love it so much. And it's a good follow um, to glass onion to me again. We're yeah, we're, I think we're moving pretty good right now. It's about to come to a screeching halt, but, <laughs> but um, no, Obladi, Oblada, you know, it's, it's a little retro. It's, it's, it's a little Paul corny. It's a made up lyric. Yet again, that's a Paul, you know, I don't know. I've not really read about it, but I'm sure that at, he was doing his Paul scat thing, writing the song and then decided that sounds pretty cool. Let's just keep it. Now. I think I read at one point. Okay, good. I want the I story. Wrong. No, I could be wrong. I th think they were hanging out with, with somebody and there happened to be a, a Jamaican there. Mm. And I think, that's where they got this term obladi oblada it's something he said um i'm pretty certain on that i, so that's I don't just know like, that's like jamaican for quesera sarah right sure Whatever will be will be i, th um, I think so i i, I think so i think obladi blada <laughs> right now i love the end the end is just so great <laughs> Well, I think they're so damn exhausted from recording this song because they, I don't know how many takes they did of it. About a million. Were, yeah, it was a lot. Tired. Yeah, that's the whole theme of the album. They did way too many takes of these songs and they were just tired of them. Oh, I just found the quote, man. I had a friend called Jimmy Scott, who was a Nigerian conga player. Okay, who I used to, off. Who I used to meet in the clubs in London. He had a, a few expressions one of which was obladi oblada life goes on brah i used to love this expression he sounded like a philosopher to, philosopher to me 
he was a great guy anyway. And I said to him, I really like the expression. I'm thinking of using it. And I sent him a check in recognition of the fact later, because even though I had written the whole song and he didn't help me, it was his expression. Hmm, pretty cool. Okay. So I was just a continent or two away. Oh, so but I... here's the, here's where you may have gotten and said, it's a very me song. in as much as it's a fantasy about a couple of people who don't really exist, Desmond and Molly, I'm keen on names too. Desmond is a very Caribbean name. So maybe ah. that's where your Jamaican connection comes in. Okay. See, I was going to tie it in somehow. And of course, John hated this song. Like, of course he did. Despised it. Well, see, I've, I've read two things that are conflicting stories. One that he hated it so much that you can tell at the beginning of the song, he wanted to make the piano keys bleed. He's <laughs> pounding on them. The other bum, story bum, I heard. Bum, bum, bum. Right. The other story I heard was that he actually he popped into the studio late and he was actually in a good mood. I guess he was high. And he's like, oh, we're playing this again. Okay. And he just, and it was something, he, he brought a new energy to it that they had not previously encountered while we're trying to record it. Heroin's a hell of a drug. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Chase the dragon. Um, and, and so they just went with it. Now I like the the latter story. That's the one I would like to think that's what happened. Yeah, but he did call this more of Paul's granny music or granny shit. <laughs> he would sometimes say granny shit, but yeah, he was always <laughs> sloughing off on Paul with with his granny music. And I I know people who like the Beatles and are John Lennon uh, fans first and foremost, and mm -hmm. they're even you know, going off on Paul and his granny music. I, I don't mind it. There are some songs I can just do without. This is not one. This no. is a great song. The next song, however, which is what I it's call more of a recording. <laughs> it's a recording. <laughs> this is this song is only Paul, so he gets all the blame. <laughs> this is Wild Honey Pie. Did Ima record this song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. What was what, Paul on when he did this? Man. I want to know. This sounds like somebody that's had a lot to drink to me. but <laughs> and, and that could definitely have been the case. So, this is, um, you know, not, not, not to be too harsh, but there's a lot of stuff on this double album that is experimental and kind of, um, I don't know if they were particularly on purpose going for segue type stuff or, or mm. what, but you know, I, I, this, this song is, or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's just not really a song to me. It's hard for me to, <laughs> um, I guess it's like, uh, I know you're not a big hip hop fan. I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to introduce you to this. I'm so I'm not against it. I'm so in, in the nineties, early and mid, um, there was this, this whole thing with hip hop records where there'd be 10, maybe 12 songs, but then there would, but the CD would have like, 18 or 20 tracks and they had all these little segue things and some of them had like music in the background and it was just basically comedy it was skits 
And this is almost like that to me. It's it's almost <laughs> like a skit. It's like it's yeah. just Paul just kind of tossing one off and having fun. And I want it on the record. We're doing a double anyway, so we need thirty songs. Um, huh. I don't know. I don't. I I, I really don't know. Is what it he possible was. they invented this? Yeah. Well, we can say it. But it is kind of a. It's almost like a short intermission. And there's actually another <laughs> intermission, if you will, later on. And again, Paul is, you know, he's, he's the culprit. So maybe Paul invented it. I don't know. <laughs> That's really, huh? Well, okay. So the, my limited hip hop knowledge is, uh, you know, I, I like the beastie boys. And so, yeah, I, even their albums, it'll take you out communication. They have skits and like interludes. Little skits, the little blurbs. Um, that's not a full song. Um, and it's what makes the album interesting and cool. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's why you, it encourages you to digest something as a whole album rather than just take a track or two. Yeah. Take the hits off the tracks. Yeah. Um, it's, to, it's meant to be listened to in its entirety. Yeah. So I'll say like, I don't really care too much for this. It, it's, no. it's just kind of noisy to me, but again, it's like you said, and I'll agree. I, I don't, when I'm listening to anything white album, I'm usually just listening to it start to finish. And it's, it's there, it's there between Obla D Obla Da and the next one that we're going to talk about the continuing story of, bungalow bill which is an interesting still it's still going on right now the story it's it's (laughs) continuing (laughs) yeah so uh we're back to john um i'll let you start us off on this one if you want i mean okay i i just bragged on john but this is not one of my favorite songs um it's not a throwaway song. It's it's kind of a humorous interlude. It's it's still like a mini halftime show here, really. Uh, it's it's kind of a funny, um, you know. I don't know. I get surely it was meant to be funny. It's very almost like um, a kids song. Almost. It's very. I was going to say it's very kids song sounding, and it's making a point, right? Uh, I guess. <laughs> You know, very convincing. Well, you know, it's we got you know, guns and what did you kill? And you know, that's kind of a it's kind of a a thing with John right now. It's so weird, man. He's talking about guns a lot, and he you know that's how he ends up dying. And there are stories about that. He was terrified of guns, and there are many different stories out there that it might be somebody else, but it may be him was always afraid that's how he'd die. And of course he, that we, we, we do know that he was shot and killed, but um, you know, it's, I, I, I guess the, the point that it's making is also fairly, um, it, it kind of fits with the day because a lot of people are looking at, um, you know, uh, prize hunting in a different light than they, than they used to. He was already looking at it that way. I mean, you know, these, these people are going to India and killing tigers. I mean, why are you killing tigers? You're not going to eat them. It's just for sport. And so it's kind right. of a, 
you know, it's, it's kind of a, a take on, you know, his take on that sort of thing. And I guess he's really making fun because he's this Americans out killing these tigers. And then he comes back to the ashram to find spiritual enlightenment. And it's like the two don't, don't, don't mix. Of course, which is kind of, kind of odd because John's looking for spiritual enlightenment after coming back from leaving his wife for another woman and starting to do heroin. So there's a lot of hypocritical stuff out there with John. So anyway, this is just my commentary. <laughs> no. And, and I'm just looking at the lyrics. Um, I didn't realize Captain Marvel made an appearance in any of the Beatles songs. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, she just stepped right in and zapped him right between the eyes. So, and then all the children sung after that. It was great. <laughs> and then all the children sung. Yep. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I'm with you. Not, not my favorite. Um, not my least favorite, but no, you know, it's, um, it's, I, I don't really think the way that it kind of flows and just kind of the sound of it, it the way it plods. I don't, I don't know. It's just not a great song. Um, but the next song is really great. Oh yeah. Uh, while my guitar gently weeps, which is, um, the first real to me, real masterpiece written by George Harrison. Uh, I'm sure. Well, one of the first, I mean, you know, there's some others and there's some stuff on this record, but this is an absolute masterpiece of a song and it's good buddy. Uh, Eric Clapton plays lead guitar on it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. This this is the first masterpiece George writes. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great songs George has already written up to this point. But this one, when you get to it on the album, I just stop. I, it's almost like I'm, I, I listen to this. You know, I, I go walk the dog a lot around my neighborhood. You know, I, I, I do that in the morning, do it in the evening. I do it, take breaks at work. Um, when this song comes on, I almost have to stop walking for a second just to sit there and appreciate the opening guitar licks that I'm listening to this song. Um, man, I love this song so much. It is just peak, peak George Harrison for me. Yep. It's, it's just a beautiful song and it's, um, it's a musician's musician kind of song too, because how many people have covered it? Um, yeah. Sherry loves this song and I think her favorite version of it, and it goes without saying our favorite version of it is the Beatles. She's not a Beatles fan, yeah. so I, I won't, you know, knock her for it, but her favorite version of it is a Peter Frampton version, which is very, very good. Hmm. Uh, I think my favorite cover of it, is to to bring it back to other conversations on the podcast um toto would do it live and i think it was on their 30th anniversary from amsterdam maybe it was 25th anniversary um lukather plays it and sings it and it's it's an amazing cover but yes this this song has many many covers and it's 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 got guitar in the title, so it <laughs> better be a great guitar song. And, right. and, and of course it is. Um, and Eric, you know, Eric, Eric Clapton plays on it. Um, who later will steal George's wife, 
which is always that whole yeah. thing. That whole so thing is damn weird and strange. And, and stayed friends and all that. It's just, yeah. By the time we get there, we're we're going to be kind of out of our Beatles podcast. So mm-hmm. I figured I'd go ahead and mention it. But um, no, it sets up a weird story. Um, but yeah, so uh, the way I understand it, the Beatles, it, it was nothing but tumultuous most of the time they're recording this album they're at each other's throats it's pretty amazing they made this album oh yeah they're recording songs together but not they're they're taking turns going and doing it by themselves right which is sad but it's just that that's the only way they could get it done at this point They, they are the four biggest rock stars in the world and lots of lots of baggage but at this point I bring it up to say George realized that it was tense, but he really wanted, he really felt that this song was something special. And so that's why he invited his friend, Eric Clapton. He, he figured, you know, if I bring my friend in here, these, everybody's got to be on their best behavior. Uh, surely they respect Eric Clapton even though, you know, he's, he's, he's my, a good buddy of mine, but yeah, they'll be on their best behavior. And they were, and you know, the Beatles had to use that strategy on the next album uh, with Billy Preston. So um, yeah. And Billy Preston was brought in by George, right? Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. George, George again, George did not like the chaos at all. No. Um, you know, and I, I don't know Ringo didn't. This is the White Album is when he quit for a minute, right? I didn't, know, yeah. Yeah. He left and said, I'm done. Of course, they got him to come back. Um, but yeah, just complete turmoil. And yeah, it's interesting. George, the peacemaker, does make sense because um, he was trying to find peace in his life, uh, even though he could be a, a grouchy son of a bitch sometimes, I think. But um, I guess... By this time, I'd be pretty grouchy, too, with all the, uh, you know, again, I mean, we can address the elephant in the room. This is this is when Yoko hit the scene and, uh, you know, they're in the recording studios and she's sitting on people's amps and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it's annoying them. And why does she have to be in here? Of course, that continues into the get back sessions, which later become Let It Be just gets even worse and they get all that on film um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh yeah I, that's pretty pretty cool that you know uh george is i mean there's a little bit of you know it's a little selfishness there right he knows this is a great song and he's like i really need these guys to to get their shit together because this is this is my you know magnum opus right now this is yeah. like the best thing i think i've ever written um, but yeah, uh, it's just a fantastic song. Uh, yeah. I, especially, um, in, in the order that it is here, cause the next song is another, just, I think, uh, cool transition, um, with, um, happiness is a warm gun, which is to, for, for my money, it's 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 maybe a top three on this oh, record yeah. for me. Um, oh yeah, 
it, it's again john is just killing it with this song yeah i i agree his voice is great the um the again the build up in the song um I love it. I love these songs that just start slow and then the kind of drum beat just starts, just kicks in and it just turns into something else and you got the groove and the whole band gets into it. And this song does that so great. Yeah. Um, and it starts so differently from how it ends when you get, when you get to the, the hook, if you will. Yeah. It turns into almost like a fifties doo-wop or something. It's kind of, bang, bang. Shoot you. Yeah, I mean it's it's all of a sudden it's Sha Na Na or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, which they were, you know, they were around at this time and they were kind of a nostalgia group. They they liked the that kind of music. I don't know if there's ever any connection there, but that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. yeah. Um but just the way the song starts and the mother superior jumped the gun. As soon as that's in, I'm like, yeah, this is mm. so good. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. I think of, uh, this is one of the songs that come to mind and this is actually, I think Paul, I think this is Paul's favorite song. And I think George felt the same way too. Maybe Ringo also. I think this was all their favorite song on the album. Uh, I don't know what John thought about his own own song, but uh, I thought I'd read somewhere where Paul thought this was one of the, if not the best song on the album, but it was one of the best John songs on the album. And uh, it's not far off. Um, well, I yeah, hope it's... they all liked it because they did like 70 takes. Because <laughs> they did, um, it says on the... September 23rd. And I knew it was a lot of takes. I didn't know the number says they taped the first 45 takes with John on lead and guide vocals, Paul on bass, George on fuzz lead, Ringo playing drums. The following day, the group recorded takes 46 through 70. Wow. At the end of these, it was decided that the first half of take 53 and the second half of take 65 which is probably the bang, bang, shoot, shoot, happiness is a warm gun uh, of 65 were the best. And the two were edited together on September 25th. So in a basically 48 hour span, they did 70 takes. Of course it is a short song. All the songs on this album for the most part yeah. are very short. Some of them are super short, like the interludes, if you will. Um, so I, you know, I guess they better have liked it because what a couple of days just that's a lot of takes man. doing that song over and over and over. I love it. And then of course I'm sure you know they were they had to overdub other stuff in there later, but at least at least by then they had the song on tape. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the story about this song is that there's a, a magazine laying around in the studio. Now I've heard it's either a gun magazine, but I think there was actually an ad in the magazine of either a gun company or maybe even the nra american rifleman is that the name of the magazine it was in yes i can i've got screenshots here and in, ah. the, in yeah inside the cover it's uh, happiness is a warm gun is the article okay okay and, so i had that wrong so I, I think you are right then okay but um today it would be the nra 
magazine probably. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it, and it would still say happiness is a warm gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was, I thought that was cool. They just took a, and he did this with Sergeant Pepper, right? Took his, his poster off the wall and, yeah. and wrote for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Mm-hmm. So John has this skill of just taking something and imagining some crazy yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, concept good, to go along with it. Good morning was he was sitting eating cornflakes or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just everyday stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So next up is Martha, my dear. Uh, I guess this would be considered some of Paul's granny music. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you know what? I, isn't it National Dog Day today? It, it is, right? So How perfect we're, is we're this? On, we're on the anniversary of Hey Jude, and hey we're Jude. on National Dog Day, because for those of you who don't know, Martha was not a woman. Martha was uh, Paul's dog. His sheep dog. Sheep dog, yes. Um, I, it, it's... It is an old sounding song. Fine. I don't care. I can appreciate it. Uh, he's got his angelic voice going on this one. I mean, you know, he can do Dan the Paul and your angelic voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he can do the R- little Richard screams. He can do the hard rock screams and then he can do this. It's just, yeah. it's a very nice vocal. It's, it's, is it an earth shattering song? nope um i love this song man. if they didn't do a double it. if they didn't do a double album for the white album would it have made the made my cut no but mm. it's a good song um you know it you know it takes the edge off of the last song um leads us into <laughs> the next obviously but uh, again i'm with you i'm with you it's you've got to listen to it all together um if you're going to go and try and i mean there are songs i can pick out from this album I'm just kind of looking at the whole list right now and that i can pick out and like while my guitar gently weeps that can stand out there alone um yeah this one doesn't it it needs it, it needs a straight through listening i'm i'm never gonna go i want to hear martha my dear and just go play it it's not gonna happen but it's a cool song i mean it's right. he's writing about his dog and we're talking about it on national dog day I mean, I can't say too much bad about it. It's no. just not a, it's not a go-to, but it's it's not terrible. All right, that's going to maybe maybe I like the song more than you do. <laughs> you, you probably do. Um I do like his vocal on it. That's probably my favorite thing. Um it's uh it's like I said, it's you got the many different vocals of Paul and this is just kind of the the sweet sounding Paul and and again he loved this music uh, his dad played this kind of music for him yeah. and, and you know yeah. it, it ties him back to his father i think that's why he likes so many of these uh, old at the time retro sounding piano songs you know yeah goes back to his, his dad plays. to his dad, his dad. Yeah. yeah yeah um next song i'll let you introduce it I'm so tired. Uh, a John song. This is what you listen to on Wednesdays, right? Your your heart uh, day of the week. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's every every night, Rich. Um, when you get when you got a five and seven year old, they tend to wear you out. I love my kids. Me too. Love my. I too. love. They're 
They're a lot, but they're, but they're your kids, right? That's right. They're my kids. They're my mess. Um, all right. Well, back to the song. Uh, I'd love this song. It's a great John song for me. Um, I, it, one of the things I love about the song the most though, is John and Paul singing together on it. Uh, yeah. their, their dual track, the dual vocal track on it. The, uh, um, it's just really raw and it's, it, it always is a good reminder of how good they sound together. Yeah. He wrote it in India. And of course this is, they're all kind of drying out over there, right? They, they're not drinking and they're not doing drugs. And he's, he's, uh, I think, you know, he talked about having insomnia because, you know, it's, it, it's hard to dry out when you're hooked on drugs and you're drinking so much. And so he wrote this because of his insomnia. Um, he said, I'm so tired was me in India again. I couldn't sleep. I'm meditating all day and couldn't sleep at night. The story is that one of my favorite tracks. I just like the sound of it and I sing it well. Well, John, you sing a lot of stuff well on this one. And I think, you know, I think, um, I think while he was there, he was writing some stuff that he, he could really knock out of the park, right? Vocally, he was really yeah. writing some good stuff for himself. This is, this is another one. It's just in his wheelhouse. I don't know. I mean, just the, the last, <laughs> the last, the last course is, you know, the or last verse is just funny to me where he's, he's so tired. I think I'll have another cigarette, but let me just curse Sir Walter Riley. He's <laughs> such a stupid get. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like, I feel like I'm a, a reading at a beat poet thing <clears throat> or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, John, uh, Paul, John, even John, I found a Paul quote that talks about the Sir, Sir Walter Raleigh. He goes, I'm so tired is very much John's comment to the world. And it had that very special line and curse Sir Walter Raleigh. He was such a stupid get. That's a classic line. And it's so John that there's no doubt that he wrote it. I think it's uh, 100% John being tired was one of his themes. He wrote, I'm only sleeping, of course. Yeah. And I think uh, we were all pretty tired, but he chose to write about it. That was uh, Paul McCartney's comment. <laughs> uh, yeah. And this, this, this one uh, is, you know, there's, we've not talked about it much, but this is one where it was only the four Beatles. There's a lot of songs on this record that have tons of extra players that, you know, come in and do overdubs and things like that. But this one was just the four of them. Um, huh. It's a good song. Really good song. Yeah. Um, it's just really weird that he was doing all that meditating and was still tired. I mean, I'd be ready to go to sleep, but that's, no kidding. That's just me. Okay. So the next song is the one that I thought would be your favorite. Um, and it's, oh, it's up there. It's my top three, I think on this record and that's blackbird. Uh, this is a, um, a Paul song, an only Paul song. Uh, it's just him, um, him and a, an acoustic guitar. And this song is, um, it's just, it's, it's epic, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is, uh, one of his, one of his best bits of writing. Uh, of course, he's always been great at, you know, your, 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 Hey Jude, let it be and yesterday type songs. And, this one doesn't really fit in those molds, um, but that's one of the reasons I love it so much. Uh, it's just, it's well-written, it's well-played. 
His voice is amazing. And yeah, if, if it weren't for Dear Prudence, this would be my favorite. And in the past, it's been my favorite on this record. Um, uh, you know, I know that there's the, there's, there's the idea, and I think he said it later in life, that, yeah, you know, man, you know how he is. Yeah, you know, man, it was the civil rights movement and blah, 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 and he, he was writing it for that. Uh, that. That came along many years after. So who knows? He's, he is known for his revisionist history. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll excuse it. The thing that I love about this song um, is it, it, it tells a little story, um, even though it's not a story song. And I have known so many people that I can apply this song to, like people close to me that I have seen have their hearts broken and have their worlds dashed to pieces. And this song just always comes to mind when they're going through it. Hmm. Um, it's, it's one of those, it's just one of those that, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could sing it and play it to them just as good as Paul. Um, but it's, it's uh, like, I don't want to mention names because you know, they, they don't, they don't yeah. ask to be talked about on the podcast, but no, I've known um, a woman or two in my life that I love very much. And this, this song um, makes me think of where they've come from mm -hmm. and where they are now. And that they did have a broken wing and now they have learned to fly again. And it's, um, it's always been just a very special song to me for just that theme um anyway i'll let you talk a little bit about it uh, that's beautiful man um wow that's really i can't there's not a lot more i can add um it's a very special song to me too um yeah obviously i'm not surprised that you love this song just because you and i are both we love paul and this is some of paul's best work easily uh, I can make that argument. Just the guitar playing. Um, I, I love how you can just hear him tapping his foot in the background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't need drums. You just—he's audibly. I've seen I've seen videos of him on anthology while he's recording his song, and you know, just showed him there tapping. Yep. Tapping mm -hmm. his foot pretty loudly while he's playing. Oh yeah, you hear it in the recording. Um. And, and yeah, that's no major thing, but it's like you listen to the song so many times, but when you hear that, it it just makes you, it's a familiar thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's part of what makes it special. I don't know why, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those songs. It's just, to me, it's just a real gift to all of us. It's just, you know, uh, it, it just doesn't get much better um, to have one guy, one guitar, to put a song out there like that um it's just it's 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 very inspire it's very inspiring it's and it's a very song of hope yeah and it's 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 very comforting when things aren't good um anyway i think a lot of people need this song right now man yeah no it's it's true it's it's super true i mean that's we keep coming back and saying that and that's just another amazing thing about the beatles and their staying power and um, 
their ability to still be relevant now. It's just amazing. Yeah. So we go from that beautiful, beautiful song about an animal to another song about some animals. And then another one after that even. But this next one. I see a theme here. Yeah. This next one, um, it's George. And it's he's not Georging this one up. I don't know. This this is obviously you're you you're not gonna be surprised. Don't care for this song much. No, all. not not surprised. And <laughs> I will say this. This is the most British or English it, sounding song of the Beatles ever. It is. The uh, the song, by the way, folks, is called Piggies. Um yeah, it is very British sounding. Um it's it's almost like Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I didn't really go look much. Now, I will say I, No, that's fine. I I was listening to this just actually I was before we started, I was out walking the dog before I put the kids to bed. Um I was listening to this song and it it, it the part I really love about it, I'll tell you this is the part I love about though. Where where I get the whole British sounding because George is not trying to mask. I mean when George sings, he sounds, you know, Paul right. sounds like he's from America. Right. John, you could argue sometimes he sounds like he's from America. George hardly ever sounds like that. Yeah. And, and it's cranked up to like 11 again on this song. And But, but one of the parts about the song that I love, I, I don't love, I don't seek out this song, but... It, it's almost like you hear, like you're listening to it in your headphones or whatever, but all of a sudden, George's voice appears out of this tiny little speaker, and it's like an old-timey thing, like somebody like hand-cranked it or something, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's playing, and George's voice comes out of it. I can't. You know what? The old-timey record players that had like the bell-shaped yeah. speaker – Right. That's what I feel like I'm listening to George out of on this. Yeah, I, and I and I get I get what he was trying to do, the social commentary that he was trying to make there. It, it you know, it's yeah, you know, it kind of goes along with his like things like tax man and things like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, it's again, I guess in a way, you know, um like today piggies would be like Mike Pompeo and Donald Trump and you know, Jeff Bezos and all those fat cats right um, you know right um so in in that i just don't like the way the song sounds <laughs> it's just it annoys me well i i don't know what period of time it sounds and, like and i'm gonna it be a, like a certain period of time and i'm going to be a hypocrite about i don't like the way this one sounds but we're going to get to this next song and people can say well but you like that um because it's a little goofy too I just don't like the way the yeah I just don't like the way this one sounds. I I get it now. I'm intrigued. It's kind of it's kind of cool. But yeah, so the next song, yeah, we got three animals in a row. Uh, We've got the of course it's not really about a raccoon, but Rocky Raccoon, (laughs) and so this song is Paul, and this is um, this is goofy dorky Paul, like at his best. He's kind of trying to do like a country western uh, drawl with his singing. You know, you're talking about George sounding super British. Right here, Paul is doing a terrible, terrible (laughs) 
It's a terrible impression. It's a terrible impression. But I like the song, and I think, <laughs> and I can't explain. Somewhere in the Black Hills of Dakota. <laughs> See, I, I, you know, I wish he had come to me, and I would have gave him some Southern lessons. But, you know, where was I 52 years ago? Anyway. Um, I, I guess one thing that I like about it, the first time I ever heard about it, uh, or I guess or heard it, you know, uh, went up to his room only to find Gideon's Bible. I knew what a Gideon's Bible was, <laughs> right? Because when we were kids and you went to, um, uh, what was it called? Uh, you know, a hotel, but also like uh, you'd go to Bible school in the summer, at least here in the South, yeah. and they would always give you a little Gideon's New Testament, yes, you know, a little, little pocket. Bible. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, huh, he's talking about those, those Gideon's Bibles. And, uh, you know, of course, they were in hotels a lot in the United States there for quite a few years, and I'm sure he saw plenty of them. Mm. But um, I don't know. It's just a fun song. It's got the saloon sound in it, you know, the little in the middle and towards the end. And um, I don't know. It's one of those songs that a lot of Beatles fans hate. And I, I really, really like it. Yeah, because it, it's, it's, it's one of the most unique songs they have. It's his attempt to sing in a country song. And, and, it's, just, and it's, if you just take it as a country song, it's a, it's, a, it's a good song. I just had a thought. And one of the things that I think I do love about it so much is when I'm listening to it, it's like there's a movie playing in my head. I can yeah. see, I can see all the characters. Like I can see, you know, walking into this saloon and everything going down. And, and I imagine him when he goes up, you know, it's like those, um, you know, like on Deadwood, I think I imagine Deadwood. Did you ever watch that on HBO? <laughs> yeah. You know, they have, it's just like all the other Westerns. They've got the rooms in the, on the second floor and the saloons downstairs. Like I, that, that's what I picture. And I can see all the characters and it's like, it's, you know, the, the, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's descriptive enough for me to, like I said, play a little movie in my head. So I love that. Maybe that's, I, maybe that's one of the reasons I do like it so much. I was just thinking about that because every time I listen to it, every single time I've got the, I've got the whole picture going through my head. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I told it. Yeah. So now I'm going to think of that when I listen to this song now, like I'm watching a tiny movie. <laughs> That's it, man. Right in your head. So we don't have to linger on that one too much, but yeah, it's, I like it. Sue me. Uh, speaking of country songs, next <laughs> song, we finally get to Ringo uh, and you're going to be shocked. I actually really like this song. Really? Yeah. I actually, I, I, I say really like, don't mind it at all. When it's on, I will sing along to it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's... He actually wrote this one. Yes. Um, but, you know, don't pass me by, don't make me cry, don't make me blue. I mean, don't it's make just, me uh, blue! Uh, you know, it's, he loved country music, man. He did. That was his, that was his thing as a kid, man. He, that, those are the records he was buying yeah. when he was a kid. Um there's nothing super special about this song. It's um, Ringo would go on to write and sing this song many different times over on many different solo records. I mean, mm. this was a quintessential, this is Ringo kind of, kind of deal. Well, now that 
um, somewhere in, in, in the process of doing these podcasts, I have a, a whole new appreciation for Ringo. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ringo. I, yeah. This, I think this is your um, space on the album. Yeah. I think if you'd asked me about this song a year or two ago, I'd be like, eh. but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to give him more credit. Um, we're at growing least, rich this at is least gross. yeah at least for his songs I, I always gave him the credit for being the beatles drummer um you know i i don't believe the uh, although technically paul mccartney was a better drummer i don't believe that ringo was the second best drummer in the band they're not the no. beatles they're not the beatles without the way he plays so i agree um yeah no give give, give ringo some love you know, it's not a great vocal. It's very, um, the melody is very just, you know, a few notes. So he doesn't have to get too high or too low. It's just a good vehicle for Ringo to. It's a good country song. Sing a song. It is. It is. It's just, yeah, we could probably just leave it there. It's a good country song. And then next up is why don't we do it in the road? No one will be watching us. <laughs> Sorry. How to how to do an ama there? Uh, uh, every time no need for apology. Every time I hear this song, I imagine I'm singing it. By the way, don't don't know if he even knows this song. I'm sure he does. <laughs> uh, yeah, this the is next one of those. We all, whenever we get to hang out again. Right? Yes, that's and, right. And, and Ima's there. I, yes, I, you you could probably you don't even have to pay the man. Just give him a beer, and he'll probably do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, again, this is another one of those little short, tall, weird things that just that happened on here. I think Ringo's on this one with the drums. Um, and I think on yeah. the, I think on the, the previous song, it was just, it was just Ringo and Paul and, and then the, whoever played the violin. But, um, yeah, this is some of that stuff where they were just sneaking into their, or not sneaking in, but going into the recording studio um one at a time and paul's just like lays oh. this down because you know he was when they were in india and they actually saw some monkeys getting it on in the road right that's where this comes from <laughs> you know <laughs> no, that's funny um one thing i read though um because the way they recorded the album they were sneaking in. I mean, I think it is like sneaking in, you know, it was, it, it was all shady. Recorded. It was, it was, at, at, yeah, they didn't record together as a band. Yeah, like at, at, said, at, there's very few songs where they actually record as a band. Yeah. I can imagine them showing up at the studio and like, Oh shit, John's here and just keeps driving. <laughs> <laughs> I think no. sometimes, I think sometimes they were in the studio together just in different rooms, but wouldn't, yeah, that's even, the way it would normally yeah, be. Wouldn't even talk to each other. Like they'd slink out so they wouldn't have to walk by each other. Wow. So much dysfunction. But I know this is like one of the songs. Like I read that John was pissed that he wasn't involved in it. This is little throwaway song. Oh, how funny. But John, I, I swear I read that John wanted to be a part of it. And, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure I got that right. Of all the throwaways, this is probably my favorite. Just the doom, 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 and then he comes in with that vocal. Yeah, <laughs> get it, Paul. And I remember the very first time I ever heard this song, I was like, "Is he going to sing anything else?" <laughs> no. Like he keeps singing the same thing over and over. I'm like, okay. Even though that was short, that was way too long. 
<laughs> for what he had going on. <laughs> um, but anyway, I I do enjoy it. If for no other reason that that good Paul Squall—that's what I'm gonna start calling it—the Paul Squall. <laughs> yeah, I love that. What broke the the string of country? Yeah, in a and it broke that up in a very drastic way. And then you have uh, the next two songs. Yes, and then the next song, uh, I Will, is a nice little uh, Paul McCartney love song. And it's a throwback. This sounds like it could have been on Rubber Soul or Revolver. Mm. It could have, uh, yeah. I've, I'm not sure when he wrote it. Uh, it's probably one of those deals. He had all those songs knocking around in his head. It had probably been there for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at a Paul quote right now. I was doing a song, I Will, that I had as a melody for quite a long time, but I never had lyrics. So, yeah, so that makes sense to me because it sounds like an earlier, not early, you know, more around that Rubber Soul revolu or, uh, Revolver time. It sounds like one of those, um, like, kind of lovey-dovey Paul songs there. I, it's a beautiful song, though. I, I, I really... I really dig this song um uh it's 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 you know it's just yet another wonderful vocal and and you know quite a contrast from you know the previous song there it just kind of it's like he's a man of many voices yeah absolutely no i i love the song um yeah um yeah, it's totally a throwback. It's t I agree. I never thought about that, but yeah, that totally could have been. I'm sure he was probably coming up with that in, in 65, 66 time. It just, yeah, it just feels like that era, which is fine, man. It's only two years ago, you know, three years ago. Um, yeah. And it's, which is amazing, right? You know, we started at Rubber Soul and mm -hmm. just – it's been gradual, but look how different everything is now from when we started talking about them. I mean, they were just starting to change a little bit then, and it was so different from what came before. And now it's like, there's like three eras of the Beatles at least, right? At least three, four, if you go before they recorded, you know, you can yeah. throw, throw a fifth one in with Abbey Road all, all by itself, maybe. But yeah, it's like, that's fair. Yeah, it's just like in in a decade, there's like all these different eras, and this one just feels like a previous era. Um, but a beautiful song. I mean, man, Paul can just write a love song. Good Lord, I know. no wonder he's always had all the beautiful women. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, like you got that pretty face and smile, and you know, you got that voice, and you're in the Beatles. I mean, good Lord. That's an embarrassment I, I, I of riches. It, it really is. Yeah. Damn it, Paul. Uh, just a note on this one. Uh, this is just one of those, uh, you know, we've, we've not talked about who played on all, you know, we've not done this on every song, but George is missing on this song, but the other two are there. Huh. And, and this says John uh, played percussion because it's basically just, you know, Paul and an acoustic guitar and then lots of percussions. And yeah. Ringo plays some stuff there, but yeah, really pretty song, which leads us into the last song that we're going to cover on this episode. Uh, last song on uh, side. I can't remember if they've got one, two, three, four or ABCD. Either way, it's the last 
last on the second side, uh, Julia, mm-hmm. uh, I'll let you start with this one. Just, um, great song. Um, I, this sounds like a, uh, a line that Ted Mosby would use in how I met your mother. It's hauntingly beautiful. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. It is, it, it is very haunting. Uh, both for the content and the way it sounds, which is, um, of course, Beatles fans all know this, and there might be some people listening here that have no idea, but, uh, you know, John's mother's name was Julia, and this song's for her, and she died tragically, uh, hit by a car, and he was, what, 15, 16? It was right before right before he started to play music. Uh, 55, with, 56, yeah. somewhere around that time. <clears throat> and it stuck with him for his entire life. Um, this song also, and I, I think I've actually even read it, it's it's partially Yoko, too, because, you know, that's, that's one of the, um, one of the ideas that if you read and study about the Beatles enough that, she kind of took a mother role with him too. Hmm. Um, so, um, but yeah, 1958 was when she died in that accident. So, okay. Okay. He was, so 18. He was 18. Yeah. Um, so he wrote this in India as well. And, um, it's got that beautiful, just acoustic finger picking thing that he had going on in dear prudence. Yeah. Um, in some ways a companion song, even though just mostly just because of style, right? Um, not because necessarily of content, but um, yeah, uh, it's yeah, companion it's, to I will. Is that what you're saying? No companion to dear prudence, just because of the oh, style, kind of, oh, kind of, yeah, kind yeah. of the, kind of the style of the song. Oh, the finger picking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they, they sound like totally different songs, but you can tell they were kind of written close together in time yeah this song okay so since i started reading tune in and i'm still i got a long ways to go on that book but uh since i've read more about his mother i think i might know what you're about to talk about this song means a lot more to me it's a heartbreaking song because he's he had before she died many years before she died, he had a really good relationship with her. He was able to kind of, or, or he was able to kind of go back to having a good relationship with her. He still, you know, his aunt Mimi was still his mother figure and his actual mother, Julia was more like a good friend who happened to be his biological mother. And sometimes, sometimes it almost felt like an Oedipus complex thing as well. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's exactly what I thought was reading. That's that's what I thought you were going to go go to, which makes the the fact that he finds Yoko and she kind of finally takes that place. Oh, that's interesting. He kind of she 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 becomes. He may have said it somewhere before, or somebody said it about him that with Yoko, he found somebody that was like, like his mom. I would tell, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I know I've, I've read that somewhere before or no, or heard, no, or, the, or Oedipus, some, the Oedipus complex is totally legit. Oh yeah. It's no, totally I totally, that's legit. been talked about on 
lots of podcasts I've listened to, books I've read. Just yeah, that's there's a definite kind of yeah. Not that they were being weird or doing anything weird, but but it was yeah they were kind of close in age, right? She had him really young. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and which I get the more like a friend than a mom thing. My mom had me very young and, and, and so, you know, we're more like brother and sister than we are, you know, mother and son, which is, you know, led, led to great problems and also lots of good things. But, mm-hmm. um, of course, you know, John was, he had the other thing going on with his mom that, you know, the abandonment stuff, you know, she, she wasn't there. Of course he had it with his dad too. And, yeah. you know, he's going to write in the future about his mom and dad, uh, plastic Ono band. I think we talked about a little bit mother. about this before mother, which yeah. is, you want to talk about an excruciating heart wrenching, just gut punch of a song. Um, but still beautiful, hard to listen to, right? Like this yeah. one's, this one's not hard to listen to. This is kind of a tribute, but it's also kind of, uh, like I said, I think the Yoko thing's important in this one too. That's a really good point. Yeah. I think that adds even more complexity to it and it makes the song even more interesting if it it wasn't interesting enough already. Right. Oh yeah. 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 All right, man. So cool. We just went through the first two sides, two more to go. That will be on another episode because uh, we don't want people to have to sit around four hours. I mean, take them, who wouldn't want to take hang them, out with us for four hours? Take them, four hours, man. You're almost getting to short audio book at that point. But yeah, no, this, this is fun. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's been cool. Like, to hear how differently we've talked about each of these albums, like, like our, just the way we think about um, their songs and, and what's going on with them. It's, 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 it's like, it's like we are still evolving as fans, right? Like we're, yeah. we're, you know, like back when we were on rubber soul, like there were things that we were thinking about them that we maybe don't really necessarily think anymore or we've added more layers now and it's just, we still got what, uh, one, two, three to go. Yeah. Second side of this and then let it be in Abbey road. Road. So we're almost there. Um, if you're still listening, thank you. And I'm going to give, and I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of extra information here that you're only going to get if you listen this long. So we're going to do side two. And then we're going to do a special little episode where we're going to act like they could only do one album and we're going to draft the songs. And I think I'm going to set the number at 12 and that means we're going to put together a 12 song white album, which means we leave 18. There's 30. We have to leave 18 out. All right. See you later. Wild honey pie. (laughs) You're out of you're out of here. <laughs> Don't pass me by. Sorry. <laughs> I just passed your ass. Just... <laughs> Another spoiler. Uh, it'll be fun. The people will probably, 
people will probably, if they listen and know that we're going to do this, um, they could probably pick the 12 <laughs> if they're paying attention. If they pay attention, they could probably come up with the 12 before we record it. Maybe, but that'd be interesting. You know, we're, we're full of surprises, Rich. That's true. That's true. Um, I will say this uh, um, more of mine will come from this first two than the last two. Yeah. I'll have more picks there. Um, now, there's a couple of real gems that we'll get to talk about in the next episode. There are, and, and they'll, they'll make my draft, but not nearly as many as um, sides one and two. Yeah. So, cool, man. We got through the uh, first half here. I'm looking forward to the next. You folks out there should have that within a week, I hope. Uh, we're trying to stay on schedule and got a lot of cool stuff coming up. We've got some, um, I talked about this on uh, my reading list episode. We're going to have some nice little five to seven minute, um, tiny episodes that, uh, cover. Nope. Not going to tell you yet. They thought, I thought they were going to get it. Just, just, just know that these will be some cool little episodes that you can listen to anytime. And I think that you will enjoy them. And, um, what else we got coming up, man? We're going to be doing some, um, we're going to be doing some, some stuff with our friends. I'm not really going to let that from my friends. I'm not going to let, let it out of the bag quite yet. What that series is going to be, but that one's, I'm really looking forward to that. And we have already lined up so many, uh, cool guests, um, not just our friends, but like some musicians and, and whatnot. So super excited about that. But, um, Clint, you got any final thoughts? Um, this was fun. I, I've already started, like, I'm so excited about the 12. Now that I know how many songs you're going to put on this uh, <laughs> white album, I started, this is going to be really tough and, and there might be some argument happen. <laughs> that's uh, that's what so I'm, I, I'm looking forward to that that's what i'm hoping like like we're going to get down towards the end and we're going to be like begging each other to fighting for a song that's not there yet right <laughs> but we've already just it's not going to be over wild honey pie and, and 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 again we that means we only get six picks each right it's 12 songs this and... is that's really tough <laughs> anyway it's going to be a lot of fun i'm glad yep. we're doing it yeah, I'm looking um, forward to that one. This was fun as usual. Love it. Yeah, man. Well, y'all know where to find us, especially if you're listening right now, so I won't go through all that. Everywhere you get podcasts. And um, till next time, peace and love. Mm-hmm.